This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly with your Wings and Things host, bird expert and author, Susan Chamberlain. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Susan Chamberlain, and we have got a really big question and answer session scheduled for this segment of Wings and Things. So we are going to fly right into it. Ohio resident Linda, who shares her home with a four-month-old cockatiel, asks about the advisability of air purifiers near a bird's cage. Some air cleaners emit low-level ozone. Is ozone harmful to birds, she asked? Is a HEPA, H-E-P-A, filter better or no air filter at all? What is the best for my birds? Well, Linda, let's clear the air about room air cleaners. Air filters remove pollen, dust, pet dander, dead skin cells, and other particulate matter from the atmosphere inside your home. Bacteria and viruses travel around by hitching rides on dust particles, and these dust particles can be removed from the air when trapped in high-efficiency filters. Air purifiers actually kill bacteria and viruses. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, People are often confused when trying to choose an appropriate air filter or purifier. The HEPA high-efficiency particulate air filters, ionizers, ozonators, and ultraviolet purification systems are available. It helps to understand what the different systems are and how they work in order to choose the product that best suits your needs. Manufacturers of these products have extensive technical literature available upon request. Following are some explanations of various filter purification components. Electrostatic. Electrostatic means there is a charged surface that attracts and collects airborne particles. Think dust magnet. Filter. The standard filter pad traps particles, including many allergens and some gases from the air, but it cannot actually destroy microorganisms unless it's equipped with germicidal accessories. Standard filters and pre-filters must be washed or replaced according to manufacturer's directions. HEPA, H-E-P-A. That stands for High Efficiency Particulate Air Filtration. HEPA systems were originally developed by the Atomic Energy Commission to remove radioactive particles from the air. HEPA filters are used in spacecraft, industry, hospitals, and homes. Depending on maintenance, proper use, and the efficiency of a particular unit, HEPA filters are capable of removing close to 99.9994 of particles down to 0.3 microns in size. 3 microns is about 1 25,000th of an inch. 
from the indoor atmosphere. Ions, ionizer, and ionization. Those are terms we frequently hear. An ion is an electrically charged particle. Ionizers neutralize the air by emitting a flow of negative ions that cling to positively charged particles. This increases the weight of the particles and causes them to cling to surfaces rather than remaining airborne. Ozone, ozonator. Ozone is a form of activated oxygen with an extra third molecule which attaches itself to airborne pollutants. It oxidizes and destroys bacteria, fungus, mold, viruses, and mildew, leaving pure oxygen in their place. Low levels of ozone, the FDA's safety limit is 50 parts per billion. Now these low levels can purify water and air. According to Consumer Reports in October 1992, when room air passes through a high voltage plate in an ozonator, some oxygen molecules are ionized. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has set a limit of 50 parts per billion for ozone from electronic air cleaners. Ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet reduces transmission of disease by killing bacteria passing through the appliance. Both purifiers and filters are somewhat effective in reducing odors and removing smoke from the air, but you must never rely on an air filter or purifier to remove airborne toxins or germs from the atmosphere before they affect your bird. Some air filters combine two or more of the features described above. If you suffer from asthma or other respiratory condition, consult your physician before purchasing any air cleaning device. Keep the air fresh and reduce pollution in your home with a simple everyday routine. Curtail the use of aerosols, powders, and chemicals indoors. Quit smoking. Use high efficiency allergen filter bags for your vacuum cleaner. Purchase high-efficiency air conditioner and furnace filters. Install a range hood that vents to outdoors instead of blowing fumes back into the room. Fresh air is the best purifier of all. Open the windows for at least a short time each day. During warm weather, install a window fan blowing out. You'll be amazed at the bird dust and dander it carries out of your home. Check out that screen after a week. You're, you're not going to believe it. I'm telling you, I use it in my bird room. I just buy a big, like, 20-inch box fan at um, Home Depot every year. I put it in the window in my bird's room. I blow it out, and boy, oh, boy, does that carry dust and dander out of that room. Hey, how much food is too much food for your bird? Claire, in Maine, wonders about how much to feed her two Amazon parrots. She says, I'm a very new bird mom, and I'm so afraid of overfeeding my birds and getting them obese. Please tell me, just how much is a bird like my Amazon supposed to eat? How much seed should I give it? They are picky seed eaters. How much food and vegetables should my birds have? I throw them way more seed than they eat. 
They won't eat the small seed or corn, but they love apples, broccoli, and plums. They aren't fond of grapes, but I also give them cabbage, celery, whole grain breads, and once in a while a piece of donut. Uh-oh, no donuts, no donuts. They apparently had donuts with their previous owner, as one seems to be a donut junkie. For a special treat, I give them popcorn. Sometimes my birds will eat squash and cucumber. They dislike peppers. One bird is two years old, and the other is 20. Can you help? Well, you know, Claire, I had the same concerns when I adopted Cracker, my double yellow-headed Amazon in 1980, and I can assure you that Amazons are indeed junk food junkies. To my knowledge, Cracker has never even seen a donut, but her former human companion told me that she loved hot dogs and would kill for pizza or snack crackers. I was properly appalled and vowed never to allow her to ingest a salt and preservative-laden hot dog. Every once in a great while, she's permitted a tiny piece of pizza that's maybe half an inch square and a bite of a snack cracker, but that's about it for junk food. A tiny piece of donut once in a while probably won't hurt Claire's parrot. But the high sugar and fat content make donuts unsuitable for daily consumption by anyone. And remember, a small portion doesn't mean the size of a bird's head. It's more like the size of a bird's eye. Chocolate donuts are forbidden altogether, as chocolate is toxic to birds and other animals. Amazon parrots are notorious food wasters. Um, part of this is just genetic. They're from South America and Central America, where food is plentiful. Except for Bogart, my Red Lord Amazon, who never wastes a morsel of anything. My Amazons apparently engage in food fights when I'm out of the room. They eat, chew, and fling their painstakingly prepared birdie brunches every day. It looks like there's been a food fight in there, for sure. There's really no exact formula for feeding your birds. The main thing is not to permit your birds to eat a single food, like sunflower seed, to the exclusion of others, and not to allow them to eat large quantities of junk food. Claire's Amazon may be set in its ways and resistant to new foods, while the younger one may readily accept pellets and experiment with unfamiliar fresh produce. So I would suggest, Claire, that you let the older birds see the younger bird eating new foods. It's kind of a poly-see, poly-do situation. Most veterinarians recommend a formulated diet or a combination of pellets and seeds supplemented with fresh fruit, vegetables, and safe people food. Offer lots of fresh produce, thawed frozen veggies, grains and cooked beans, moderate amounts of pasta, now that's a forkful, bits of cooked beef, fish and chicken, and occasionally scrambled eggs. Please don't give them food from fast food places. You don't know how it's been cooked or prepared or what the bacterial content might be. Use hot pepper flakes for seasoning instead of salt and forego butter, sauces, and gravies. Corn niblets, pasta flavored with marinara sauce, a snippet of chicken or fish, and a few peas are guaranteed beak pleasers. Cooked sweet potatoes, vegetables from homemade soup, and roasted red peppers are other favorites. 
Your pet can enjoy healthful human breakfast foods like a small sip of orange juice, a spoonful of cooled, unsweetened oatmeal topped with a few fresh blueberries and banana chunks, or a tiny bit of scrambled egg. Here we're talking about half a teaspoonful. And a tip of lightly toasted whole grain bread. It's wonderful, Claire, that your birds like broccoli because it's rich in calcium and essential vitamins. You don't really need to limit their intake of healthful vegetables. Sweet potatoes, kale, squash, beets, and other vegetables are excellent, too. If your bird eats beets, though, be ready. You'll have some bright pink birdie poop. There's nothing wrong with your bird. It's just that what goes in must come out, and it comes out bright pink. Um, try some of the nutritious, ready-to-cook avian meals you'll find on pet shop shelves and in bird supply catalogs and online bird supply stores. Colorful pasta, vegetables, fruits, nuts, beans, greens, and herbs and spices are blended in a variety of bird-pleasing combinations. Prepare small quantities at a time or cook them in larger amounts, then freeze in ice cube trays. Store the frozen cubes in containers or plastic bags. Or freeze in individual packets and thaw as needed. I split one ice cube size portion between two Amazons. Serve cooked foods at room temperature or just slightly warmer. Stir heated portions to eliminate hot spots. Cooked portions of most formulas can be safely refrigerated for one to three days. Read package directions for specific advice. Most ready-to-cook food mixtures are intended as supplemental meals, not total diets. Discard uneaten portions after several hours. Reduce waste and encourage fruit and vegetable consumption by stringing fresh produce on a rod or skewer-style feeder suspended from cage bars. Birds must work to get the food off the skewer, and mess is reduced because the food can't be easily flung about. Have your avian veterinarian weigh your birds to be sure your bird's weight is within normal parameters. If they finish all the cedar pellets in their dishes each day, you may want to add a little bit more. Amazons are sometimes prone to obesity, so encourage healthful eating habits and exercise. If your birds are housed together, it's likely that they'll play with one another throughout the day. Provide toys and out-of-the-cage time to keep them stimulated and active. We don't want any perch potatoes in our houses. For further reading, there's a book called Feeding Your Pet Bird. It's by Dr. Petra Bergman, B-U-R-G-M-A-N-N, and it's published by Barron's Educational Series. It may be available in um, certain bookstores or pet shops. I believe it's out of print at this very moment, but check it out. It may be on, available through some online sources. You'll also get good nutritional advice in Bird Talk magazine and Bird USA. Introduce your bird to new foods. Never attempt to starve a bird into accepting a new diet or food. Birds may not immediately recognize the new diet as something to eat. Add small amounts of the new cuisine to the bird's established diet. For multiple bird households, once one bird accepts the new food, others will often join him. Taste the bird yourself. Mmm, let the bird see your pleasure in the new food. We'll be right back 
with some more Q&A. We're going to start with children and birds. So this is Susan Chamberlain and Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other? Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back with more great words on birds with your host, Susan Chamberlain. Welcome back to Wings and Things. I'm Susan Chamberlain. And we are doing a Q&A session here. I recently received a plea from a parent who wanted to find a new home for her parrot because her young child was afraid of the bird. According to Linda LaFleur, Long Island Parrot Society's adoption chairperson, the main reason people give up their birds is because a new baby has joined the family. Often, too, families choose the wrong type of bird for a child. The right choices can help avoid heartache later on. Select a bird according to your child's abilities and level of commitment. Impulse buys often become nightmares. A friend recently adopted a scarlet macaw that had been purchased as a pet for a 10-year-old. The child soon lost interest and the bird was put up for adoption. Birds are fascinating and intelligent with physical and emotional needs. Caring for a pet bird can impart a reverence for life to the child while teaching responsibility and kindness. Your child's experiences in aviculture can begin in the cradle. Babies love watching small active birds flutter around and play. Think about finches, a pair of budgies, or a canary for relatively low noise levels combined with color and moderate activity. Make sure you keep the cage very clean and do not keep birds in, in cages in your children's room or your baby's room. It may exacerbate any respiratory problems. It's just simply not a good idea. 
Toddlers enjoy observing avian antics as well. Close adult supervision is necessary at this stage, and you want to choose a small-beaked, gentle species like a cockatiel, a budgie, or an even-tempered lovebird. Lovebirds can be kind of nippy, so do be careful there. Uh, very close supervision, again, toddlers are apt to tip over cages or open the doors to play with the birds, so keep cages out of their reach. Five to 12-year-olds can assume some responsibility for bird care. Teach the children in this age group to clean cages, prepare food, schedule wing trip, wing clipping appointments, and let them teach their birds to talk, whistle, or perform simple tricks. This age group can also read basic bird care books and look up avian websites to learn even more about their birds. For this age group, budgies, cockatiels, lovebirds, maybe a Quaker parrot in states where they're legal, and some they are not. In New Jersey, you cannot have a Quaker parrot as parakeet as a pet. They're all good choices for preteens. They're relatively inexpensive. They're easily tamed and trained. Many are already tame when they're purchased, and their small beaks are less likely to inflict a bad bite than those of larger birds. Birds must be handled frequently to maintain their tameness. So if your children are easily bored or don't accept responsibility, maybe you should consider another pet. Um, children should never be allowed to maul or tease birds, and even small birds can become nippy if they're not treated properly. Um, when choosing a child's bird, consider the child's attention span. Children often lose interest in the pet or become preoccupied with sports and social activities. Consider a species that can amuse itself independently in its cage or get a pair of birds. If you have a noisy household, you'll likely have a noisy bird. Budgies like a noisy environment and will chortle pleasantly all day long in a clamorous household. Cockatiels whistle pleasantly but may emit piercing squeaks if alarmed. Conures, Amazons, and macaws will raise their voices to match the decibel level around them, perhaps frightening small children. African gray parrots often imitate actual sounds. Many grays and Amazons cry just like babies. Larger birds, such as Amazons, can be quite demanding and may be too much responsibility for most kids. Think about safety as well. Larger birds can be aggressive and they can inflict serious bites. Cockatoos, cockatiels, and African gray parrots emit a dry, dusty dander. If your children have allergies or are prone to allergies, these birds may not be suitable for your home. Uh, cockatoos also can be extremely loud and extremely needy. Uh, cockatoos want all the attention. If you have to give up your attention to anyone or anything else, you may have a problem with the cockatoo, especially the larger species like the umbrella cockatoos and Moluccan cockatoos. They are prone to screaming, feather picking, and other neurotic activities when the attention is withdrawn from them. If you have children in your home, one of the smaller species, like a Goffin's cockatoo, will be more appropriate. Hey, how about the pick of the litter? 
You know, that stuff, that cage litter, that ground-up stuff that you see on the bottom of bird cages in pet stores sometimes? Well, that's called litter. And um, John wants to know about using litter. We have several cockatiels, parakeets, lovebirds, and finches in our family, John said. We recently were told about an aspen pet bedding product. We use it in the bottom of the cages instead of newspaper. It really controls odor well and clean up as a breeze. We just vacuum off the top layer of soiled bedding every few days. Just the other day, a breeder told us that it might be harmful to our birds' respiratory tracts because of the slight natural aspen scent. Should we continue to use it? We only want to do what's right for our animals. Well, we all do, John, and um, the litter question is certainly a good one. Um, Plecatic acid emitted by cedar has been associated with asthma and inflammatory and allergic reactions in people. When inhaled, the aromatic oils in cedar can be harmful to birds as well. Aspen or clean white pine shavings are preferable to cedar. Aspen is a hard wood and contains no phenols, making it an excellent alternative. Pine shavings contain a milder irritant called abietic acid, A-B-I-E-T-I-C, which may result in a weak allergic response. Kiln drying removes phenols from pine and other softwoods. So if you're using a pine, look for a kiln dried uh, variety. In past years, lightweight wood shavings were commonly used as cage litter. Birds flapped their wings and wood shavings landed everywhere. The new pelleted, granulated, and compressed litter products are heavier and less likely to become airborne. Even aspen wood bedding is heavier than cedar and, according to some users, seems to lock together and stay where it belongs. Manufacturers have significantly reduced the amount of dust emitted by litter products. Adequate ventilation in your home will help to reduce airborne dust, bird dander, mold, and other particles in your home. Cage litter is a touchy subject. Opponents are concerned about bacterial growth, toxicity, crop impactions, and dust. Fans of cage litter cite odor and bacteria control, safety, and the lack of dust. Well, first, understand the difference between bedding and litter. Cage bedding is a product intended for use by small animals and birds for nests or shelter. For years, many bird breeders used wood shavings as bedding in nest boxes. Cedar was a popular choice until people became concerned about possible adverse effects of the phenols in cedar. Now aspen wood shavings, that's spelled A-S-P-E-N, aspen wood shavings are gaining favor as nesting and bedding materials for young birds. Litter is designed for use in the bottom of a cage. Its main purpose is to absorb moisture from droppings and discarded foodstuffs. Some problems associated with litter and bedding materials include bacterial growth, dust, and crop impactions. Dust from bedding products can be harmful as bacteria and mold, such as aspergillus spores, can be inhaled. 
Some litter products contain odor control ingredients, but bird droppings are not usually very smelly. If your bird's droppings emit a sour or offensive odor, consult your avian veterinarian to rule out disease. Litter products aren't an excuse for not scooping the poop. Remove discarded food, droppings, and moist litter daily. Change the cage tray litter and wash the tray every few days. Use litter only where a cage grate can keep the bird away from physical contact with the product and never permit your bird to eat litter. The most important thing you can do when using a cage litter or bedding product is to read the package directions. Use the product only according to instructions. Never use cat litter, sand, or gravel as birdcage litter. Contact the manufacturer and your avian veterinarian for specific advice. I hope I've answered some of your questions. Just keep them coming. Email me, susan at petliferadio.com. I'm here on Wings and Things, and I'll be happy to answer your question. We have just a few minutes left, and we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back and talk about macaws for a few minutes. Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged big great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash pet life. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back with more great words on birds with your host, Susan Chamberlain. Welcome back to Wings and Things. I'm Susan Chamberlain. And are you mad about macaws? Those great, big, flashy, gorgeous birds. They can be like 36 inches from the tip of the tail to the top of the head. And they can be gentle giants, raucously loud and beautifully colorful. They can be wonderful, affectionate pets, although they can be quite challenging to the first-time bird owner. Their big beaks can be intimidating, but most well-brought-up macaws are gentle giants. They will, however, reduce furniture and woodwork to splinters if they're permitted to roam unsupervised. Purchase the largest cage you can afford and accommodate in your home for your macaw. Even though some cages have been described as larger than some Manhattan apartments, macaws still require ample time to play outside the confines of cage bars. Forget about dog years. Macaws have a nearly human lifespan. The terrible twos will occur and it takes some time for the birds to outgrow this often cantankerous, sometimes nippy period. Macaws require diets somewhat higher in fat than Amazon parrots do. In the wild, they forage for palm nuts. 
Supplement your macaws menu with a selection of unsalted nuts, fruit, vegetables, a source of protein such as cooked lean meat or beans, and nutritious table food. In general, macaws possess only fair talking ability, although some have developed impressive vocabularies. They can be extremely loud, but a single macaw will often be less noisy than an Amazon parrot, and it can make a suitable apartment pet. Two macaws of the same species, though, are practically guaranteed to raise a ruckus, a point to consider if the noise will disturb neighbors or family members. A compatible pair will bond closely. Macaws must be surgically or DNA sexed to determine gender. Macaws are indigenous to Central and South America and to some of the Caribbean islands like Trinidad. There's a blue and gold macaw reintroduction um, effort going on in Trinidad right now. Perhaps the most popular pet macaw, the most easily recognizable, is the blue and gold macaw. They're prized for their beauty, steady temperament, and talking ability. The black lines on their faces are made up of tiny feathers. The pattern on each bird's face is distinctive. No two are exactly alike. They're just like a fingerprint. Blue and gold macaws are playful and intelligent and can be devoted, affectionate pets when hand-raised. Under normal circumstances, this species is not as noisy as one might expect. A single blue and gold macaw will often vocalize several times a day, usually for only a few minutes each time, unless something is amiss in its environment. Pirate, my blue and gold, emits a series of terrified shrieks when crows land in the yard outside her window or when a neighbor goes into his backyard with a new hat on. Blue and golds are often very gentle with their owners. They're not generally as possessive of their pet humans as Amazons are. A well-socialized blue and gold macaw can be a delightful family pet. They breed quite well in captivity and have even been known to mate and raise their young in large cages rather than in flights. A large nest box is a necessity, as is a set of earplugs when you have breeding macaws on the premises. A pair of breeding macaws will signal their intentions to the world. Young blue and gold macaws may be difficult to wean from hand feeding, often because their owners indulge their begging, even after the birds are eating on their own. That's all the time we have on this segment of Wings and Things, but we'll see you next time with some more macaw talk. And I thank you for tuning in to Wings and Things. If you have questions or concerns, email me, Susan, at PetLifeRadio.com, and we'll see you next time on Wings and Things. Join us every week on Wings and Things with your host, Susan Chamberlain, and get a bird's-eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.